Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Amen, amen. Could you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 24? Amen, amen. Numbers, chapter 24. It's good to be with you all today. I've looked forward to being in service with you all week long. It's amazing how just a couple of months of not being able to come together, how much greater appreciation, it, at least to me, it's given me a greater appreciation for uh, not just the body of Christ, but for the people of God. Amen. For the, uh, the things that happen when we're able to come together, the encouragement that we feel, the strength that we feel. Amen. Numbers chapter 24. And just going to read two verses in your standing. Numbers chapter 24, verse number 10. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam. And Balak smote his hands together and said unto Balaam, I called you to curse mine enemies. I called you to curse the people of God. And behold, thou hast altogether blessed them three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor. But lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. The Lord hath kept thee back from honor. Amen. I called you to curse mine enemies, and instead you blessed them. And the Lord has kept you from honor. And I want to preach for just a few minutes this morning on this thought. Prophet for hire. Amen. Prophet for hire. Amen. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. As we begin this morning, our preaching from the Holy Word of God, from the text taken from Numbers chapter 24, we're actually, by picking up in Numbers chapter 24, verse 10 and 11, we're actually beginning at the conclusion of a story that has spanned two and a half chapters. But more than just the end of a story, it is more than just the end of a story, it is the end of a conniving, deceitful and a manipulative plot that has been brought with the intention of bringing a curse against the people of God. So if you were to pick up at the beginning of the story, it starts in Numbers chapter 22, and you would read the totality of where we have picked up at the conclusion, you would read it is a plot to bring a curse against the people of God. The main characters in this plot of deception are Balak, who is the king of Moab and a prophet by the name of Balaam. Balak, the king of Moab, has witnessed the favor of God that is upon the children of Israel. and He has watched and witnessed as these children of Israel who have come out of Egypt. and Now they have uh, experienced great victory over the Amorites. And now they're, the Bible says they're up against Moab. They're geographically located, logistically located next door to Moab. And the Bible says that all of Moab is sick with dread because of the people of God. Some things don't change. There are still people in our world today that are sick with dread at the people of God. They hate righteousness. They hate the goodness of God. They hate the preaching of moral values. 
They hate the preaching of Ten Commandments. They hate the preaching that says, Thou shalt and thou shalt not. There will always be a people that get sick with dread over the blessing of God upon his church. And so Balak, the king of Moab, sends messengers to Balaam, the son of Baor at Pethor. The Bible says these messengers are not just mailmen. It's not like he hires a branch of FedEx or UPS or the Postal Service. The Bible says these messengers are princes of Moab. These are men of high renown. These are men of high regard, men of nobility. And he sends them with the intention of impressing Balaam. Now understand that his purpose in reaching Balaam was intentional. This was not like Balak got on Google and said, find me a prophet. And looked and said, well, that one there has good reviews. This was not the result of Balak, the king of Moab, going on to Yelp and saying, find me a prophet in the general area of where I live. And he looked and saw that Balaam had 4.5 stars and said, I think I'll go with that one. It, it was not that. This was not a, the result of a random search, but this was a very intentional selection made by Balak, the king of Moab, to select Balaam, the prophet, out of Pethor. There was a specific quality the Bible tells us that was possessed by Balaam that Balak, the king of Moab, is in pursuit of. Amen. And this, this ability is identified in Numbers chapter 22, verse 6, when Balak says of the prophet Balaam, he says, here's what I know about you. I know that what you bless is blessed and what you curse is cursed. That I, I, I've heard the reports that anything that you bless, if you speak a blessing upon that entity or that individual, they are blessed. And I've also heard the reports, and I've heard that it is testified of, I've read the reports if you would I've read the, the reviews if you would and everybody says that what you bless is blessed and what you curse is cursed and so Balak is intentional in his choosing of Balaam as his prophet of choice because he realizes that Balaam has a gift he realizes that Balaam has a special ability and that ability is to bless and to curse and he says I need you to come, and I need you to speak a curse over these people that have come out of Egypt, lest they overtake me. I want to tell you today that there has always been an active presence in the wickedness of, of the wickedness of Balak at work in the world. It's not just today, and it's not just in the day of Balak, but there has always been a presence of evil in this world that is seeking to bring a curse against the people of God. Balak is seeking for a prophet. He is seeking for a seer, if you would. He is looking for a man with a certain quality and ability. He needs a man that can hear from God, yet a man that though he hears from God, he will follow the bidding of a man. That yes, I can hear from God, but if you put enough money in the pot, I'll ignore what God is saying and I'll do what man is saying. A prophet for hire. 
He's looking for a man that will do his bidding to bring a curse against the church of the living God. And whether it be in the gallows constructed by Haman in the book of Esther, or whether it is the affliction commanded by Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, or it is the decree of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, it has always been the intention of men like Balak to bring a curse against the people of God. I want to tell you that everything that has been going on the last three months and what we are presently working through right now, it is working to bring a curse upon the church. Now, let me give some clarity so I don't leave questions in your mind. I am not questioning the legitimacy of what we are facing, of what we have been through in the last three months. I am not here to institute or even to... uh, um, insert a conspiracy question in your mind. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm, there are plenty of them out there. If you'd like to look, uh, just Google COVID nineteen and you'll find them. Uh, but I'm, that's not my intention here today. Is to 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 propose some si- some sort of question in your mind uh, as to the 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 validity of COVID nineteen. While I have questions and I do have thoughts concerning the virus and how it's been handled. Uh, that, that my point today is not to question the legitimacy. Uh, I I, I would say that it's almost magic how that COVID-19 has now disappeared from the headlines uh, as now the the latest news uh, of the racial tension in our nation has now become the front page news uh, and now it's like COVID-19 isn't being talked about any longer. And again, I'm not questioning the legitimacy of what took place with George Floyd. I'm not questioning the legitimacy of the anger and the tension that has come as a result of what happened in that scenario. I'm not even questioning the protests that are taking place. However, you might remember that during our teaching Before all of this broke out concerning the 12 apostles of hell, the very first principle of being effective in spiritual warfare is that you've got to be able to look beyond the traits that are being manifest and you've got to be able to identify there is a spirit at work at the root of all of this. at the root of everything that is going on in our world right now, and I'm speaking specifically about its intended impact upon the church. I will leave the economic impact to the economizer. I will will leave the political impact to the politicians. I will leave the social impact to those that specialize in those areas. But I will tell you, as a man of God, the intent of all of this that is going on is to bring a curse upon the church. And the greatest curse that, can, that the enemy can bring against the church, you want to know what that is? The greatest curse the enemy can bring against the church is not persecution. I, I know when COVID-19 started and all those, uh, what some would identify as overreaches by the government began to take place, we began to wonder, is this, is this the... the you know, the persecution that the Bible tells us is coming. But if they walked in here today and carried me out of here and put me in prison for preaching the gospel, the church would not be hindered by that. In fact, the church has always multiplied in the midst of persecution. 
The church has always flourished. The more that they persecute the church, the more that it grows. The more that they persecute us for preaching the name of Jesus, the stronger the church gets. But the greatest curse the adversary can bring against the church, it is not persecution, it is division. And at the root of everything that is going on, the devil knows his only hope for stopping the church in the last day is to get the church divided. Just think in the last three months, how many issues have there been that we can be divided on? We could be divided on whether you should wear a mask or whether you shouldn't wear one. We can be divided over, uh, over political parties. Uh, we can be divided over who you voted for and who you didn't vote for. Uh, we could be divided right now over the color of our skin if we choose to do so. Uh, because the enemy knows uh, that if he's going to destroy the church, uh, he's got to bring division into the body of Christ. And Balak said, I've got to, if I'm going to curse the church, I've got to get me a man. I've got to get me somebody that can hear from God. I need to find me a church that can hear from God. But if there's enough pressure put on them, instead of speaking what God is saying, they will begin to speak what man is saying. And the deceptive plan of Balak to bring the curse upon Israel was to increase, he began to increase the pressure on Balaam. He began to increase the pressure on the man who heard from God but had to choose whether he would speak what God was speaking or what Balak wanted him to say. And so he said, I'm going to increase the pressure. Now, I promise you that I prayed in my spirit. I'm not here to offend anybody today. And you may not like what I've got to say, but if you don't like what I've got to say today, it's not because I'm wrong. It's because Balak has gotten into your mind. It's because Balak has gotten into your spirit. It's because you bought into the lie of what the enemy is trying to do in this last hour. And Balak understands if I'm going to bring a curse upon the church, then I've got, to, I've got to begin to put pressure on those that have authority. I've got to put pressure on those that have the ability to speak blessing or to speak curse. And if I put enough pressure on them, I will get them to bring a curse upon the church. And the greatest curse in the church is division. In Numbers chapter 22, Balak sends those princes those men of nobility come to Balaam and they invite him, come and bring a curse upon the people of God. Now, we must understand in order for this to make sense, we must understand that Balaam was not a prophet in the sense of what we would normally think of a prophet being when we preach about prophets. He was not a prophet like Elisha or Elijah or Samuel. He was not a prophet to Israel. He was not a prophet from Israel. Rather, we might say it this way, he was a diviner. He was a magician. He was a seer from Mesopotamia. He, he knew how to hear from God. He didn't have a relationship with God, but he knew how to hear from God. Uh, he knew how to do things that had spiritual power, but he was not a prophet in the sense of Elisha, Elijah, Samuel, Nathan, and so forth. 
But now he is being invited as an outsider. No affiliation to Israel. No affiliation to Jehovah God. He is being invited as an outsider. And there as an outsider he is being invited by a Moabite king to speak a curse upon a group of people that may one day very well be a threat to him as well. Understand that Israel eventually would even be a threat to Balaam and the sovereignty from which he came. And so, it would have been politically advantageous for Balaam to follow those princes from Balak and speak a curse upon Israel. Yet he refuses to go. And he refuses to curse Israel. Why? Because God speaks to him. Again, he has the ability to hear from God. God speaks to, the, to Balaam and says, do not curse them because they are blessed. So Balaam sends the messengers back to Balak. And he says, I will not bring a curse upon these people. God has spoken to me. I've heard from God. These people are blessed, and so I cannot speak a curse upon them. But Balak, the king of Moab, doesn't just sit back and say, well, I guess it doesn't work. No, the devil, you understand this, the devil is never going to be content with the church having revival. Understand that. The devil is never going to be all right with black, white, and brown worshiping in the same church. He's never going to be okay with that. He, the devil is not okay with what's happening in this room right now. The devil is not okay, Brother Scott, that you and I can worship the Lord and worship the Lord in the spirit. of the, the, the devil wants us at odds with one another. The devil wants you to hate me and he wants me to hate you. He wants me to look at you and say, well, he's different than me. You know, you're not different than me. You're the same as me. And Balak doesn't just sit back and say, well, I guess it didn't work. No, Balaam says, the answer is i got to turn up the pressure. I'm going to have to put more pressure on Balaam because I need somebody that can hear from God to not listen to God and speak a curse instead of a blessing upon the people of God. So Balaam sends messengers. This time the Bible says he sends yet again princes. But this time he sends more and more honorable than the first ones he sent. These are, but first, you know, he sent kind of the, the dukes and the duchess, but this time it's the princes. It's, it's the people of much notoriety, people that no doubt Balaam would have seen their faces on the tabloids in the, in, in, in the aisle at the grocery store. These are household names. These are powerful names. And here's what he says to Balaam. He says, Balaam, I'm going to make you an offer. He says, not only am I sending nobility to invite you to come and speak a curse upon Israel, but he said, I'm giving you a blank check. You name your price. You can have whatever you want. You tell me what you want, and I'll give it to you. If you will do what I'm asking you to do, listen, he said, I will elevate you in the public eye. If you will do what I'm asking you to do, and you will bring division into the church, the world around you will look at you and say, wow, aren't they awesome? Look at what they are doing. They are amazing. Listen, child of God, you better get it in your spirit right now that I am not for sale, that I am not for hire, that I will not be a voice of division in the body of Christ. Well, pastor, if you just say this, that, and the other, the whole world would look at you and say, what a great man you are. I will not bring a curse against the people of God. 
I will not be a mouthpiece of division that brings division into the church. I will not be a mouthpiece of division that brings variance into the body of Christ. Pressure. Pressure to bring a curse upon the people of God. And if there has ever been an hour that Balak is putting the pressure on the church, it is today. You better pray for preachers and pastors, not just me, but you better pray for preachers and pastors because there is pressure in our pulpits today, pressure to not preach the gospel, but to begin varying into all the other messages of our hour. You need to pray that the man of God will get in the pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pressure to declare the narratives that are being pushed by society. I told a friend of mine yesterday, I'm called to preach and to pastor. And I love to do both of those things most of the time. I know, Brother Roberts, that I'm called to do that. I know that I'm called to preach. I know, Sister Lawrence, that I'm called to pastor. But the events of the last three months, I feel the pressure of Balak working to turn our pulpits and our preachers into politicians and social activists. I can't even begin to tell you. Let me speak to the first part of that. I can't begin to even tell you all the minutia. I think that means fine details. I just wanted to use a bigger word that sounded better. I can't even begin to tell you all of the I's that had to be dotted and T's to be crossed in order for us to be doing what we're doing right now to be in this building together. Let me give you just one example. When we began to, uh, my wife began to talk to the consultant about the cleaning supplies that we need to use in order to make sure that this place is safe and sanitary every time you walk into this building. The, the consultant said, listen to this, and this is just an example. The consultant said it's very important that when you tell your people what you're doing, you tell them that you are sanitizing and disinfecting. You cannot say that you are disinfecting and sanitizing. That could get you into legal trouble. Did you understand that? You have to say sanitizing and disinfecting, not disinfecting or sanitizing. They're the same thing, but if you say them in the wrong order, a lawsuit can be brought against you. So by the way, we sanitized and disinfected the building. That's just one area that I'm telling you that they're turning the church into a, a, a politician. I am not a politician. I am not a politician. I am not here to exalt politics. I am here to lead this church. I am here to lead your family. I am here to lead your life. I am here to lead you by the principles of the word of God. In order for us to come together, signs have to be posted in certain places and distances have to be maintained. And last week it broke my heart not to be able to hug and shake hands. And I, I know we got to do it, but I'm telling you, I'm about at the end of my political rule. I'm about at the end of my political term because I'm about to start hugging you all whether you want to be hugged or not. I, I just can't do it anymore. With all the racial tension that is going on, I need to be able to hug my black brothers and sisters. I need to be able to let you know that I love you and I'm standing with you in these times. I need you to know that I sympathize with what you're going through and we've got to be unified. It 
It breaks my heart to tell you you can't come down here and worship. It breaks my heart to tell you when I'm done preaching today, you can't come to an altar and respond to what God is doing, but you got to hurry up and get out of here so we can sanitize and disinfect for the next group that is coming in. And I've done my very best to abide by the policies that have been passed down, but I am not a politician. I am not running for office, and I'm not seeking for your vote. But I'm telling you that God did not create the church to be socially distant. The church cannot become a place of isolation and separation. And I'm not against social activism. I am not anti-protest. If you feel led to protest, if you go to protest, it's a constitutional right of yours. It's one of the things that makes a democracy strong is that your voice can be heard. I'm not speaking against protesting. Do it peacefully if you do it. I'm not against it. But I'm telling you, yes, I am against injustice. I am. I've preached against racism as long as I've preached. And I will preach against racism every time that I get an opportunity to do it. The problem is... Some people just started preaching against it two weeks ago. Because there's social pressure, some people are now doing it not because they really have a conviction about racism, but because it's in the public eye. Hey, I've been preaching about it for 20 years, that racism is a sin, and that you better love your brother regardless of their skin color. Amen. I've done my very best to create a climate in this church that you will never experience racism within the structure of this church. That no matter what color you are, you can be involved in ministry within this church. Amen. But let me say this. I am not called to be a politician and I am not called to be a social activist. I am called to preach the word of God. And I need you to know that because I feel the pressure of Balak, I feel the pressure of Balak in our world today bidding me to do something and be something that God has not called me to be. Please don't misinterpret that. I am against racism. I am against injustice. I'm for you demonstrating. I'm for your voice. But God did not call me to be a social activist. The day that I become a social activist, I can no longer be your pastor. There is a difference. And I'm called to be a pastor. And I'm called to be a preacher. And I'm called to love you. And I'm called to do your weddings. And I'm called to dedicate your babies. And I'm called to love you. But if you're looking for a pastor that is going to get up and go on rants and tirades about social injustice and work to, every, to right every social wrong in our nation, again, there are people that are called to do that, but it's not my calling. I am called to preach the gospel. Amen. I am called to preach the truth of the word of God. My heart breaks for what is happening in our world right now. My heart breaks for what is happening in our nation. But Balak, I cannot be what you want me to be. I know that you would love for me to usher division into the church, Balak, but I cannot be what you want me to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul pleads with the church. 
verse 10, he says, that, he says, I plead, I beseech you that you all speak the same thing and that there be no division. Everybody say no division. No, listen, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this in a moment. uh, But Paul gets into the the minutia, if you would. I'm just going to say that word enough. I sound smart, I feel like. Coach, does it work? I feel like I sound smart. He gave me the thumbs up. I I sound smarter. He gets into some details. But division can be anything. Did you know that? Division can get into the church through anything. I'm going to prove it to you in a moment. He says... I beseech you, church, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now listen, in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the issue that Paul is talking about that is bringing division in the church was the issue of baptism. Baptism. Balak will use anything to divide the church even a biblical issue. But the church at Corinth, their division was not over the essentiality of baptism, but they were squabbling and fighting over who had baptized them. They were fighting over who, yeah, I was baptized by Paul. Well, Bishop Bishop baptized me. Well, Pastor baptized me when he was young and had hair. I mean, our picture looks better because he had hair when he baptized me. Right? I, oh, I was baptized by this evangelist that was, they were squabbling, Brother Roberts, over baptism. Balak will use anything to divide the church, even a biblical issue. And Paul says, I will not allow Balak to pressure me into bringing a curse upon the church by buying into a divisive issue. Paul says this, Christ sent me not to baptize. And somebody take, some take that one passage and say, see, baptism is an essential. That's their proof text, that you don't have to be baptized. Well, read all of Paul's letters before you jump to a conclusion. And please at least read this one in context. Because Paul is not addressing baptism. He's addressing division. He's addressing division. And Paul is saying, I cannot be bought by Balak. I know you want me to be a part of the division in the church, but I refuse to be a voice of division. I wasn't sent to baptize you, but I was sent to preach the gospel. The same Paul, for those of you that still might be lingering on that, do we really need to be baptized? This is the same Paul that wrote in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Amen. So don't tell me Paul didn't believe in baptism. Paul was saying, I don't believe in division. I don't believe the pulpit should be a place that we usher division into the church. So don't tell me that I don't believe that I'm not against racism. I am against racism. I'm just not for being a voice of division in the church. Paul goes on and says, I didn't come to baptize, but I did come to preach the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel, our part, our response in the gospel is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So Paul was not saying, I don't believe in baptism. Paul was saying, I don't believe in division. In other words, I know some of you want me to come and speak to the problem. 
Paul says, I don't believe in speaking to the problem. I believe in speaking to the solution. I know you want me to come and talk about the problem, and you want me to come and try to intellectually work out the problems. And I know there's injustice in our world today. And I know there's hatred and bigotry and racism. I know it's there. I pray to God it never gets its way in here. But I know it's out there. But I've come. I made my decision, Brother Andre, that I'm not going to preach the problem. I'm going to preach the answer. And the answer is we got to love each other. The answer is we got to prefer one another. The answer is what the answer is for every other problem. The answer is Christ and him crucified. The answer is Jesus. Paul said when I came among you, I decided I'm going to preach on one subject, and that is Christ and him crucified. I wish somebody would stand up in unity right now and give God praise. I know there's racism in our world. I know it's out there. I know that you struggle with it. I'm sure you've dealt with it. I've seen it. I know it's there. I'm not ignoring it. But I want to talk about the answer. His name is Jesus. think the answer is we need to be wise in the ways of the world. Pastor, you just, you need to, you need to get educated, pastor. We need to seek understanding in the ways of the world. But I'm going to stand today and declare with the Apostle Paul that I am going to preach Christ. I am going to preach the gospel. For unto them that perish, it is foolishness. But unto those of us which are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. I'm not going to preach problems. I'm going to preach solutions. I condemn racism, but I will not preach racism. I will preach love, and I will preach unity, and I will preach the blood of Jesus. I will preach the blood of Jesus that if the blood covers me and it covers you, Brother Andre, then we're both the same color in Jesus Christ because it's not my skin that identifies me. It's his blood that identifies me. Say again, I'm not called to be a politician. I, I don't know where I'm at on the timeline, but my, my term is about up. I can feel that. I'm about to come to term limits and be voted out of office as far as being a Because I'm about to tell you all, if you want to hug, hug. Not, not right now, yeah, not yet. Let's give it a few more weeks. I'm about to tell you all, let's move these rows out of the way so people can come down and worship if they want to worship. I, I, I just, I'm not called to be a politician. I'm just not. I'm called to be a pastor. And what I realize is, is pa as a pastor is the church needs liberty and worship. And as a pastor, the church needs to be able to love one another and, and, and shake hands and give one another a hug. And Paul even said, greet one another with a brotherly kiss. I don't know. Uh, you'll have to, all right, maybe that's where my, my political, uh, we'll, we'll draw the line there. 
And, and, and if you need a pastor who is a social activist out in the front of the marches, and again, I'm not opposed to you doing that, but that's not what he has called me to do. My voice in all of this is in this building. My Yes, I will be involved in creating change in our community, but my job here is to love you and to lead your family. But And if you need a pastor that is at the front of all the marches, they are available, and it's easier now to join those churches than it's ever been. You can go online and, and be a member of a church that's not even close. I, I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. I'm just telling you I've got to be who I'm called to be. It's pressure of Balak for Balaam to speak a curse upon the church. The Bible lets us know that at some point it's in the heart of Balaam to do the bidding of Balak. Somewhere in between the time that God told Balaam not to curse the people of God and the second invitation of Balak. When Balak comes and says, I'll blank check. But something got in the heart of Balaam. Listen to what it says in Numbers twenty-two sixteen. They came to Balaam and said to him, thus saith Balak the son of Zippor, say, son of Zippor, how would you like that? Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will, again, the blank check scripture. The pressure of Balak for the prophet to do his bidding is that I will give you great wealth and great honor. I will make it worth your while. And somewhere in the midst of that offer, it got in the heart of Balaam uh, that I'm going to do what Balak has asked me to do. I feel the pressure. Uh, I feel the pressure. I will get great honor. Uh, wealth will be mine if I will just do what Balak is asking me to do and speak a curse upon the people of God. Look at Jude, verse 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. Not, that's for gain, for financial gain, or for reward. Profit for sale. Something got in the spirit of Balaam, even though he knew that the people of God were blessed. He said, I will curse them. I will curse them because I am for hire. That if you put enough pressure upon me, I can be caused to fold. I can become whatever voice you want me to become, world. If you'll just put enough pressure on me, I will say what you're asking me to say. It doesn't matter what God is saying. Yes, I heard from God. But if you put enough pressure on me, I will be whatever you want me to be. 2 Peter 2 and 15, and they have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Amen. Again, another scripture that speaks of this. It was in the heart of Balaam to allow what appealed to the natural man to lead him to speak spiritually. Listen, it felt right to the flesh of Balaam to go with Balak and to prophesy a curse against Israel. It felt right. It felt right. Somebody tell your neighbor, it felt right. Again, politically, he is not tied to this nation. That someday they may be a threat to him. So to curse them right now would be politically in his advantage or advantageous to him. That financially it would be beneficial to him. That he would be honored in the eyes of that are looking on if he would just bring division into the church. And it just felt right. And as much as you might think that it's what you want, you don't need a preacher. 
that will jump on every bandwagon that comes by and every social entity in America that is proclaiming what you don't need. You may think you need it. It may feel right to your flesh, but you don't need a preacher that caves into the pressure of Balak and begins to prophesy what seems to be right, what aligns with all the experts and all the people in power. But I'm going to tell you there was one thing that saved Israel back in the day of Balak and back in the day of Balaam, and it's the same thing that's going to save the church today. And this is what saved Israel, that Balaam still knew how to hear from God. If Balaam had not been able, Brother Roberts, to hear from God, he would have spoken a curse upon Israel and they would have been destroyed. Why? Because it felt right. But Balaam knew how to hear from God. When Balaam was tempted to prophesy based upon carnality and what his flesh desired, the Bible says... As he was about to speak a curse, again, Balaam heard from God. Listen, if we go simply right now by what appears right, if we just go with what people are telling us we need to do, then we're going to be no different than the world around us because all they're doing is what everybody's telling them to do. What's going to save us in this hour? We've got to hear from heaven. What is God saying? What is God saying? What is God saying? Listen to what Balak says to Balaam in Numbers 24. Just real soft, Brother Andre. This is where the landing gear is just starting to come out. Balak says to Balaam, you can stand with me. In verse 11 of Numbers 24, after, after Balaam refuses to speak a curse upon the people of God. Church, everybody say discernment. Everybody say that again, discernment. Discernment is the ability to tell the difference. Discernment is the, the difference to be able to tell the difference between the voice of God and the voice of this world. Listen, in this hour, I'm going to tell you what's going to save you. In this hour, what's going to save me? In the, this hour, what's going to save the church? In this hour, what's going to save our world is discernment, the ability to hear from God, the ability to know the difference between what the world is telling me and what God is telling me. Discernment is the only thing that saved Balaam. Discernment is the only thing that saved Israel, and it's the only thing that's going to save the church in this hour. Balak looks at Balaam and says, I wanted to greatly honor you. And I had it all planned out. You were going to get 5,000 new followers on Facebook, bro. I had it all set up. I had it all lined up, man. You were going to be the next big cheese. I had it all set up. All you had to do was cave to the pressure. And if you would have, I would have given you favor. I would have given you a blank check. But listen to what he says. But the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. Living hope, there's some things right now that God wants to keep us from. 
I'm going to say that again. Living hope, there's some things right now that God wants to keep us from. There's some things right now that in the moment if we did them, it would feel right. In the moment if we did them, we would get honor from the world around us. They would look at us and say, look at them. They're doing what social, what everybody's saying they ought to do. But I just feel God saying, be careful how you go forward. Be careful how you proceed in this season because in your mouth there is the power to bless and there is the power to curse. And don't bless the church or don't curse the church. Don't curse the people of God. Don't bring division into the body of Christ. Don't bring division into this church. Pastor, this pastor over here, he's doing this. That pastor over there, he's doing that. say this again in all love, but if you feel that that's the way you want to be led, there's never been a better time for you to make that switch. You can become a member of a church with never going there. Virtual church is in full bloom right now. If you want a politician for a pastor, I'm not your guy. If you want a social activist as a pastor, I'm not him. I'm being straight up with you today. I'm here to preach Christ and Him crucified. I'm here to love you and your family regardless of the color of your skin. I'm here to open doors of opportunity into ministries in this church for everybody that walks in the doors of this church. That's who I am. I'm just being straight with you today. That's who I am. That's who I am. I'm not for hire by Balak. You can put all the pressure on me that you want, but I'm not going to cave to the pressure. God is keeping us from some things. How many of you agree with me we need to hear from God in this hour? Now, I know, I, I, I know, I know before I preach this, I know some of you, the enemy is already working in your mind to twist things up. I told you that guy has some issues with race. If you got that out of that, I don't have, I don't have issues with race. I, I, I don't, I don't. We need to hear from heaven. So I'm, I'm calling this church to a place of prayer and fasting. I'm calling this church to pray like we've never prayed before. I'm asking us. I'm asking us. This building is open for prayer. I'm asking you to come when it's not even scheduled. And I'm asking you to walk through this building. And I'm asking you to call down fire from heaven. I'm asking you to get a hold of God. It's the only thing that saved Balaam. And it's the only thing that will save this church. We've got to hear from God. God, don't let me be an instrument of division in the church. God, don't let me be divisive in the words that I speak. Let me speak unity in the body. So I'm asking everybody that can Tuesday when your small group is here, walk into this building and pray against division. Pray against strife. Pray against the pressure of Balak. Pray against the lie of Balak. Pray against that pressure that is trying to change our pulpits. Three times. The end of Numbers, the end of Deuteronomy, and in Nehemiah chapter 13, a similar statement. I'm not, it's a whole other point in my preaching. I'm not going to dive into it. I'm just going to say this. Three times. Three times God would later speak and say, Balaam was going to bring a curse, but God turned it into a blessing. 
three times. It was in the heart of Balaam. The pressure had Balak had worked in Balaam's heart and mind. He was ready to speak a curse upon the people of God. He was ready to bring division among the people of God. But God spoke to Balaam and God turned a curse into a blessing. And living hope, I'm going to tell you before this is all over with, God is going to turn what the enemy meant for a curse. He's going to turn it into a blessing. If we'll just keep loving each other, if we'll just keep loving each other, if you want to protest, I don't have a problem with it. But when we walk in this building, we've got to love one another. Not lip movement love, heartfelt love. Deep love for one another. I'm just going to do it today off camera. Brad, turn my mic off for a second. All right, I'm going to stand out at that door when you all leave here today. If you want to hug me, I'll hug you. I'm not going to make anybody do it. Sign a waiver before you hug me. I'll put my mask on if you feel better about it, but we've got to have love. We've got to have love got to have love. It's the only thing. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is what binds us together. Here's how they're going to know that you're my disciples by the way that you have love one for another. And if living hope, if we'll love one another through this, if we'll not give in to the pressure of Balak and we'll just keep loving one another, God is going to turn what the enemy meant for evil. He's going to use it for our good. Yeah, they're going to come black, white, brown. They're going to come from this community, and they're going to say, I watched you guys through all of this, and you just kept loving one another. I watched the way you all moved through all of this, and you just kept loving one another. Just raise your hands with me right now. I've been honest with you all. I've been straightforward as to how I'm going to navigate through this. I feel like God is trying to keep us from some things. You may look and say, Pastor, I wish you would do this or you would do that. And on both ends of the spectrum, there are people that want me to do things. But I'm telling you right now, I'm taking my marching orders from one location, and that's heaven. I I will not listen to any other voice. I'm listening for one voice, and that is what the Holy Ghost is saying. Because God can keep us from some things. God can keep us from some things. Yes, we may miss out on the honor of men. Yes, we may miss out on the blank check of this world. But in the end, God is keeping us from some things. So raise our hands together. I want, it's not just about me. I want you to declare right now, I am not a prophet for hire. Devil, you will not use me to bring division into the church. I don't care if the issue is baptism or racism. Devil, you will not use me to bring division into the body of Christ. He'll use anything. Well, the ushers don't let me sit in my chair any longer. Come on, somebody. Step over that. Step over that. Step over that right now. This is not the season for that. Come on, we've got to be unified right now. I will not be a tool of the enemy. Balak, you cannot buy me. Come on, raise your hands with me, Lord, speak. I'm asking everybody that's a member of this church, it's not just on me. Yes, 
I realize there's a great heaviness of responsibility that is on me, but you must be able to discern as well. You must be able to tell the difference between what the world is saying and what God is saying. You must have discernment. God is going to turn this around. I like what Joseph said to his brothers. You meant this to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. Come on, I believe for our families. God is going to take what the enemy meant to be a curse. God's going to bring it to me an abundant blessing. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus, you're still the way. Jesus, you're still the way. God, you're the way. When Mama Bush walked into this church 28, 34 years ago, she got the Holy Ghost. You're still the way. 34 years later for her son, Scott, you're still the way. Somebody sing, Jesus is the answer. Our world needs Jesus right now. Our world needs Jesus. I want you to open your mouth right now and speak a blessing over the church. I want you to open your mouth right now and speak a blessing over the pastor. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to do it, but I want you to do that right now. I, I know this is self-serving, but I'm asking you right now to open your mouth and speak blessing upon your pastor. I promise you I'm doing the same over you. I promise you that I'm speaking blessing over you. But I can't tell you the pressure that Balak is bringing on the pulpit of our churches. I can't tell you all the ways that the enemy is trying to change our churches. I believe in good change. I believe there are some changes that need to be made. But we cannot cave to what Balak is asking of us. And I speak blessings over you, living hope. I speak blessings over your families. I speak blessings over your finances. I speak blessing over your marriages. I speak blessing upon your children and your children's children. I speak blessings upon your home. I speak blessings upon your jobs. I speak blessings upon you regardless of the color of your skin. I pray that God will bless you. In unity with hands raised toward heaven, I will not curse the church. I will not. I will not, Balak. It feels right sometimes to say some things. It feels right to do some things, but I will not. I know that there's things I could say right now that would bring me applause by the world. I know that. But God is telling me, be careful right now. Be careful. I want you to turn to a family near you. Keep your six feet. All right, I'm still, I'm still political enough right now. Keep your six feet. That's not really political. It's just being smart. All right. Keep your six feet. Turn to them. And I want you to speak a blessing over that family. Come on, right now the world is trying to turn this thing. That's it, Justin. I want you to pray for this family right now. Their skin is darker than you, but I want you to bless them. The world is trying to turn this thing around. Hallelujah. Bless them. Come on, bless one another. 
Come on, let Balak know I'm not for hire. Let Balak know you're not going to bring division into this church. You will not do it. God is keeping me from some things that feel right to me, but there's just something telling me it's not right. Here's how they're going to know that we're disciples, by the way that we show love. By the way that we show love one to another. You know what? This is not right here. This is not a photo op to prove to the world that I don't have race in my heart. This is my brother. I'm not doing this so the world can look and say, oh, look, that pastor does have black friends. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because it's my brother. And he's been my brother, well, he's my son for a while. He lived with me for a couple years, huh? This didn't just start because Balak said, he's putting the pressure on. No, we've, we've loved one another in this church for a long time. And we're gonna keep on doing that. This is how they're gonna know that we're his disciples. By the way that we show love one to another. Amen. All right, God is going to turn this for our good. Living hope, God is going to take what the enemy intended to be a curse to divide the church. God is going to turn it into a blessing if we will just use discernment and hear from God. Hear from God. Listen, everybody, there's going to be things. The enemy is no dummy. He's going to come, and it's going to feel right. It's going to feel like the right thing to say or do. Be careful. Because it felt right to Balaam, too, to curse the people of God. But be careful and use discernment and ask God. God, I need to know, is this what you want me to do? And then if God says do it, go forward. But if you feel that check in your spirit, God's saying just hold on. Then just hold on. Amen? Amen. Well, I love you all. All right, I, if you have any questions, I know I said a thousand things that if by themselves you could have questions. So if the enemy starts planting questions in your mind, call me and I will be glad to explain what I meant by what I said. I don't apologize for anything I said, but I'm willing to more deeply explain what I said if you need that clarity. Bottom line is I don't want you offended. I don't want division. I want love and I want unity. All right? Amen. God bless you. I'm going to be back there if you want to hug. All right, if you don't, I won't be offended. God bless you. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.